0: In 2013, I worked the closing shift at a bottle redemption center. Located on the main street, we would receive a lot of business until around 6 p.m., after which I was lucky if a single person came in. One of my tasks before closing was making sure bottles were sorted and stacked for the vendors to take the next day. To prevent people from waiting, since I couldn't hear anyone out back, bells were set on the door to announce their entrance. Around late September, I started seeing the figure of a man down a hallway on the right, behind the counter. It was just standing there, arms folded, a three-dimensional shape in a hat, but composed entirely of shadow. Every night it was the same thing, down the hall, looking at me with white orbs for eyes from under the hat, its arms folded, always out of the corner of my eye. If I stood still, I could make out some features, but the creature was little more than darkness. One night, feeling its eyes on me, I looked into the front room to see it dart across at high speed and return to the end of the hall. A cold chill went down my spine. Things escalated from there. I started to see those same eyes when I would go to bed at night and turn out the lights. They would appear in the room and minutes later fade away. It was like the thing attached itself to me. One night after work, sitting at home on the computer, I got up to get a drink. My wife was watching TV. As I walked toward the kitchen, I suddenly became dizzy and crumpled to the floor as though all my energy had been drained. My wife ran up to me and stopped, staring at our bedroom doorway, her face white. I asked her what she saw. She replied, a shadow being. I asked her to describe it. She said it looked like a man in a hat, with white orbs for eyes. He was standing in our bedroom door, and then faded away. The shadow being showed up at work a few more times after this, but has since gone away, at least for now.
1: Uh, I don't
0: like shadow beings. Like, just as, as a general rule?
1: Yeah, I feel like... I'm against them.
0: You're against them?
1: A shadow being. A shadow creature.
0: I don't know. I'd like to get to know them a little better myself before I make a final judgment. (laughs) They don't seem to be that friendly.
1: No. And they're usually attached. Like, you hear a lot that it's not like a shadow being or whatever is usually not something that was human. Usually, yeah. It makes the hat interesting because, like, is it something that's trying to look... Human and humanoid, mm. you know, and the thing that always gets me too is when you know the shadow has eyes, and usually Oof. it seems like what they mean is that what they described is it's it's a lack of shadow where the eyes should be, yeah. so you just see through it. And you know, when you Creepy. think, yeah, when you think the eyes are the windows to the soul, and they're in the eyes is nothing, no
0: window, there's yeah, the other windows, no, yeah. no one's home.
1: It seems it's like crazy. it supports that
0: theory that it's well, not and and, and I've human. I guess I've I've encountered this elsewhere, but I feel like um, when they appear in groups, there's usually one with a hat that seems to be the leader. I wonder what that means. I don't know. It
1: means you should wear hats if you want to be a leader.
0: That's
1: (laughs) what I'm getting out of it. Duly noted. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm Jamie Markey.
0: And I am a shadowy. Jay Michael Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and this
1: is Ghoul Intentions. Ghoul
0: Intentions. Yes.
1: Um that story was who's who's
0: That story comes to us from Nicholas. Nicholas,
1: thank you Nicholas for that yes. story. It was nice and creepy.
0: Very, very creepy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, to see the same thing every night in the same place. I, I, seeing it out of the corner of your eye, but seeing it in that one instance dart. Yeah. And go back. Like that's ooh, I can just I can just picture it. It's I very know. it sends chills down my spine. Same Yeah.
1: Hashtag
0: samesies. And then, and then having someone else confirm it when you're at
1: home. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, gosh man so good like was it just That's waiting to
0: ambush you at home and like steal some of your, your energy like i wanted like what was in that case i don't like the shadow people no they i seem need like they're thieving energy. your energy but i don't know
1: i need all of it
0: <laughs> it's precious to me
1: real tired
0: yeah shadow people can get their own fucking energy like right. work for it yeah get a gym membership
1: Energy cannot <laughs> eat some be, calories. What is the Energy cannot be created or destroyed. Yes. So,
0: but leave it apparently mine alone. can be thieved.
1: It can be thieved. <laughs> it can be taken away and zapped.
0: Mm-hmm. And I what are we calling today's episode? I don't think we ever got the episode. Oh, we don't have a name. We don't have a name, So let's come up with one on the fly. Okay. What do you um, think? Uh, I like this idea. All right. <laughs> We're so unprepared because I've been, I've been sick as fuck, if you can't tell from my voice.
1: Yes, and you had and a late flight, uh, had a late, and you I, ended, I got delayed, stranded and... in,
0: in a winter hellscape. That's right. <laughs> for a couple days. Um, how we about that? Winter hellscape. Winter hellscape? Yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with our stories, though. Does it? I don't know. Oh. Let's say walking in a winter wonderland.
1: Does that have anything to do with our... It could. Well, then why wouldn't winter hellscape?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like hellscape... I don't know what your story is today, but my... And mine doesn't really have much to do with winter. Oh,
1: Hellscape will work with mine. Hellscape. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, let's say, let's say cold Hellscape. No.
1: I like winter Hellscape.
0: Winter Hellscape. You said it. We'll just call it Winter Hellscape. Winter Hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! There you go. The first um, episode we just decided on the fly what to name it.
1: Today's episode is titled Winter Hellscape, and it's about uh, things that are, are cold and hellish. Yes. Yeah.
0: Sure. Why not? Okay. <laughs>
1: So I'm going first this time, right? Yes,
0: you're going first. And I'm really excited because I don't I don't know at all what you're talking about today. So
1: this came from um I'm a little fried. I'm really aware of that, right? I'm now. very
0: fried. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're doing great. Great. So good. That's such a good episode. Okay,
1: okay, so you're
0: gonna read. So you're gonna read, you're gonna tell me your story. You're gonna tell me your topic. But we just want everyone to know who's listening. We are a little off our game right now.
1: No, we're not. We're on it. <laughs> I'm amazing. on my game. It's gonna be the best.
0: Okay, you're gonna carry it.
1: I'm carrying. It. Okay, so my story is about the Monroe House, aka the Demon House, in Hartford City, Indiana. Oh, is that the house?
0: Uh, is that the house that like Zach Bagans with Ghost Adventures yes. did, and like apparently it, it, it like affected his health
1: or something? I mean, allegedly.
0: Maybe I was near it recently, and that's why I feel like shit. Maybe that could be it. <laughs> I don't know. Um,
1: I think though he had that movie that he made, and it was based on this house or something hmm. like that.
0: I don't know much about um, it. But that's all. That's literally all I know about it. Was that? Would Zach you like Bagans... to learn? I would.
1: All right. Well, let's do it
0: if for no other reason than to tell me how to avoid it.
1: All right. I will. Okay. Here we go. So it is estimated that the original foundation of the Monroe House was built sometime in the mid 1800s. Since then, people involved with the home have experienced traumatic events and strange activity. Ooh. Yeah. Previous owners have been chased out of the building by shadowy figures devoid of human features. Unexplainable fires have spontaneously manifested in the basement. Disembodied voices echo through the hallways. And it's even been reported that a number of mysterious deaths have occurred inside the Monroe House. Psychics claim the house is haunted due to horrific child abuse. A father apparently abused his small son and daughter so severely that the event has been imprinted on the property. Some even say this man murdered his children, keeping souvenirs of them in the process. Oh, God. Investigations have uncovered Class A EVPs of small children screaming, disembodied voices interacting with investigators, even through baby monitors, shadow people, the apparitions of two small children, a small, blackened apparition in the upstairs window, Unexplained fires, physical attacks, and severe pol- poltergeist activity.
0: I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. This is this, this house haunted. is a little extra, and it has a
1: lot of uh, of of history and a lot of like you know, as you can see, a lot of a lot of things.
0: It's like covering the whole gamut of terrifying experiences. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oof.
1: While theories on how how it's the paranormal Oscar Gold it is. <laughs> While theories on how the paranormal activity inside the Monroe House began are varied, there is one thing that nearly all of the building's investigations agree on. There is some seriously fucked up shit in that
0: basement. Fuck a basement! In the
1: 90s, it's said occult rituals on the property caused a rise of the nefarious activity at the house. But, according to others, strange phenomena began as early as the 1930s when the owners began to report ghostly visitations in the home. Mm. Neighbors have reported ghostly apparitions appearing in the windows of unoccupied ho- of the unoccupied house, and the, homeowner, the home's owner has supposedly considered it a loss since construction workers fled the property, fearing for their lives. The genesis of the hauntings is unclear, but rumors of three fires and resulting deaths in the last century have not served to quell paranormal activity within the home. You can still see one of the burned support beams in the ceiling. paranormal state even did an intense exploration of monroe house and wound up finding human remains beneath the home in a crawl space and that included a human skull
0: uh fuck a crawl space yeah
1: so they went and did this whole story about this house and they did their whole investigation and when they went into the crawl space they it showed them like finding bones and calling the police and Having the police come out, yeah. Uh, they reportedly turned over their discovery to local law enforcement, mm. which is still researching the case uh, on their oh. website. That's what it says. Damn. Yeah.
0: That's cr- Okay, mm-hmm. well. When so you that's find, just a start. When you find human remains in a crawl space, it's, you there's know, a story there. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh, they just, you know. Yeah. Someone died. Right. And like was like, mm, that's a killer. That's yeah, and murder. that's a that's murder.
1: a kind of a quick generalized account of the stuff that has happened and the rumors about the house um would you like a
0: that's a teaser trailer uh uh-huh it is to the brim
1: but for instead of the movie you're gonna get a hashtag actually Uh
0: oh really (laughs) yes it's an actually yes i love these we haven't done these in a while i know oh my god yes okay debunk the shoot
1: Let's get into it. Okay. First...
0: The bones were paper mache They came from, like, a craft store.
1: How did you know I was going to start with the bones? That whole thing... We
0: are so simpatico. Seems really? Seems to be bullshit. Really?
1: You would think... Wait now, a minute. Let me just say... Are you
0: suggesting that something I saw on television...
1: May not be true. May
0: not be true? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is anything?
1: Let me just say this. Like, if you... You would think... If bones had been found underneath a house... By any group, much less a paranormal investigators group, mm. that it would be all over the fucking news, n- local newspapers, everything. That's true. Right. Right. The, literally, the only place I can find anything about finding bones is are things that uh, connect it to paranormal state. I haven't found anything. Now, I didn't spend hours looking for it, but it should have been on the first two pages. Um, yeah, bones of in googling a basement
0: of a house that already has a reputation, mm-hmm. like. Especially local newspapers, yeah. they have slow news days all the time. I bet I you anything, if you found a paper from the day that was sort of the week that's supposed to happen, you find that if there's an, any article about a bake sale, the bones are fucking fake.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and like the other thing is when I was Googling it, um, looking for, you know, uh, bones found uh, in, the, in the city and all of that, other bones have been found in other places in that city and, and, and of course, in Indiana. And so there would be other stories about different, but nothing about these bones unless it's connected directly to that episode.
0: So, like, what I'm hearing is that there is a bone beat
1: Ah, among
0: the reporters in this town, and yet they fail to recover this from one of the more famous residences
1: bone discoveries
0: bone discoveries yeah god damn it paranormal state i know
1: it's very disappointing because i like that show i did
0: it was really fun but i guess it's just a
1: show it's just a show it's just a show yeah and it makes it breaks my heart a little bit damn
0: it bit. reality tv I gets know. me again No,
1: oh, okay man. so and you know maybe they really did maybe they really did find those bones. I just, if that's the love, case. I would
0: love to know why we didn't, we don't know about it from anywhere else. Then. Exactly.
1: And then why, why did nobody suspicious.
0: cover it? Yeah. As fellow investigators. Right. Uh, they should. Seems. They should look into it. Suspicious. <laughs>
1: so anyway, I'm not saying it's bullshit, but it's probably
0: bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag questionable.
1: Questionable. Yes. Mm. Let's go over the history of the home now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We can't get all of the information on the house. It's just not available. However, there is enough history of the house that proves some of these things might actually be real. And some of them are not. Mm. Like, you know, the fucking bones. Okay. (laughs) At 218-220, so 218 and 220 North Monroe Street, you'll find a white Victorian two-story house with a couple of enclosed porches that, from all appearances, looks haunted as fuck. Fuck
0: because it's victorian because it's victorian covered all this. and then the
1: and then the covered porches also
0: hmm.
1: yeah and it's the white and it house and it just the thing
0: it just creates an impression like should happen there but it, like, all, it looks like a murder house
1: it does yeah you look at it and it's not it just looks like don't go there it looks it look. it's actively telling you not to go there by its appearance uh, some buildings just have yeah, that look. it, and they
0: were, it they were, definitely were They does. were either designed by people that had no idea how to make a place look w- welcoming, or they were designed by people specifically because they didn't want anyone coming and fucking bothering them. Right, exactly. And if you don't want someone to come in and bother you, people, your neighbor's going to think some shit's up. Like, why don't you want to be more neighborly? What yeah. are you hiding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it gets a reputation mm-hmm. for being the site of some unseemly shit.
1: Yeah. It was built in the 1890s over another structure that was actually built around 1850. The house is now a triplex. Divided a triplex, a triplex divided Ooh. during the tenure of the Burger family who lived in the home from around 1900 to 1930. The Burgers B E R G E R S were Belgian immigrants who began B-E-R-S. their life in Indiana by working in the Hartford City Glass Company as glass workers john b and mary Berger had five children together john became an agent for indianapolis brewing and a major steamship line he bought a tavern invested his money in real estate joined organizations like the elks the rotary and the odd fellows and he became a oh, leading citizen fellows. of
0: the I town haven't, i haven't heard that name in a long time my grandfather was an odd fellow oh really yeah, yeah.
1: what so what is an odd fellow
0: <coughs> no idea he wouldn't talk about it
1: oh they're like the you know how there's like i think
0: they get together and watch stack films
1: it could be. <laughs> but you know how there was like they were fezzes. The Girl Scouts, and then there was like the Bluebirds. Mm-hmm. Isn't that yeah?
0: Blue, yeah, blue Blue Jays.
1: Blue something like that. But there was like the the knockoff version of the Girl mm-hmm, Scouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that <laughs> that's maybe that's what I This is the knockoff of the of the Masons.
0: Yeah, I do feel like it's it's kind of a Knights of Columbus like kind of like Lions Club kind and of. And we
1: only say this because we literally have no fucking idea. So don't yeah, get I'm not mad a at us. Of any society that we I have aware no of, clue. Yeah, but
0: then I would not want to have like like Groucho Marx. I wouldn't want to join a club that would have me as a member.
1: That's right. And even <laughs> if we did, it's not like we could talk about it. <laughs> so unfortunately John died in 1905 of tuberculosis apparently he got sick very popular disease yeah if you everybody had it
0: literally just about everyone had it
1: they will be your huckleberry Um, (laughs) and so (laughs) they uh, apparently they sent him to get like somewhere to get healed within a few days he had died so Uh, Mary and her children rented out the top floor of the house then to Ulysses and Mary Myers who had three children Earl Edna and Ernest. Lots. I love. I know. I love the name Earl, Edna, That's like a and Nickelodeon
0: Ernest. show. I know. I want to watch <laughs> Earl and Ernest.
1: I know. Or but it's like I would watch an the fuck old out of it. like old siblings hanging out.
0: Like, yeah.
1: Kind of like golden girls, but you know, they all live in the same house. <laughs> but anyway.
0: Silver siblings. <laughs> That's what silver siblings.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so lots of drama happened in this family uh mary filed for divorce in 1907 and in the court documents she claims he's abusive not just to her but to the kids and mm. uh it that was covered in the newspapers so you know that shit had to be all over town they had to be talking about it and for yeah. them to cover something that specific because mm. a lot of that stuff you just kept it pri- that's private we don't talk about it yeah so for yeah. them to cover it it meant it was real like it was, I mean, like, it, it was just, like, deal. people
0: knew. Like, yeah. Like, neighbors like could it. hear it happening and so, be like, yeah. oh, yeah, we all know that shit's going on. Yeah.
1: So, Oof. or Oof. at least it was a big deal at, yeah. the, at the very least. Hmm. So, she, uh, she eventually agreed to a reconciliation, but pretty quickly afterwards, Ulysses left her to marry another woman that was married to someone else. Wow. And she, and, and they got divorces, and her divorce, she wasn't supposed to get married for two years, but she married Ulysses anyway.
0: Wow. So, relationship status, it's complicated. It's
1: very complicated. Very complicated. And so, after that, he pretty much abandoned his family. He had to pay a settlement at their official divorce, and then he moved to Ohio, dying in Toledo in 1949. So, 40 years or so later. The only child listed in his obituary was Edgar, the eldest son, who was 20 at the time of the divorce. The other two kids were eight and four, and they are the ones who are rumored to have been murdered by Ulysses. Whoa. There are no reports of them or their mother in the census after 1910 as well. So this is where a lot of the assumptions come in their deaths. Not on the census, not in his obituary. So where were they?
0: Hmm.
1: He must have killed them. That's what people are saying, right? If, If they just disappeared off the face of the earth and they couldn't find them. And you know, his other kids aren't listed and they and the psychics True. are saying they're two kids, well then what yeah, happened? I
0: could see I could see people jumping to that conclusion, but Yeah, it's,
1: that it's, seems to be where it ends. But it's also right there. it's
0: that, that, bear in mind in those days it was kind of easy to, to not disappear. leave a paper trail.
1: Right. Except know? they did leave a paper trail. Ah uh
0: uh-oh, yeah. busted.
1: The obituaries have been found. <sighs> Mary Myers, 68, a resident of Hartford City for many years, died in 1934, survived by three children, Mrs. Edna Fuller of Fort Wayne, Earl Myers of Detroit, and Ernest Myers of this city. Funeral held at Warren. That's from the Star Press, November 10th of 1934.
0: I am absolutely just delighted by the fact that upon hearing this, there are some people that can be like... You know, those two kids were changelings, right? He actually did kill them, <laughs> and it was like, let's those kids, they, yeah. they were aliens. They was, was aliens. I'm not going to say was aliens. Or he got them, he brought them back. Fairies brought them.
1: Right. Oh, fairy I like fairies. That's different. Not everybody no, uses fairies. That.
0: Wow. People like fairies. Really? Yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah. then, <laughs> no, yeah. Even to further that, Earl died in 1960, Ernest died in 1976, and Edna passed away in 1980. Hmm. So they all lived so fairly long. Not long lives. murdered. Not murdered. Any of them. Not murdered.
0: Unless. unless I mean, unless
1: in their old. I didn't say that. Unless they were murdered.
0: By the ghost by the of ghosts their father.
1: Of the the ghost of their child selves that were not really <laughs> murdered. The but ghost of
0: their father who didn't give a shit and left them anyway because he was like, I'm fucking tired of Ed, Ed, and Eddie or whoever the fuck exactly. they were.
1: Exactly, yes. Um, I'm
0: going to go marry this woman and have children whose names all start with D. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> um, okay, so... These kids were abused, according to court documents, Mm. and the abuse seems to have been fairly extensive. One weird thing was this article from the Hartford City Telegram in 1903. Edna, who was four years old at the time, um, it says, Edna, the four-year-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. U.G. Myers of North Monroe Street, who was reported as having diphtheria, has never been bedfast on account of sickness, now is able to be around the house. Hmm. so it's a really weird thing it's like she's never been bedridden because of sickness she can go around the house so why is she bedridden if she's not sick and a lot of people take that as evidence that she was abused and she was abused so badly she was injured she was injured and had to and was laid up from it at four years old damn yeah um Mm. So there's also.
0: Well, I mean, if he's the sort of man that would. I mean, we already established that he mm-hmm. just up and left them. Yeah. Like, he clearly did not have the sort of emotional attachment to them that would preclude the possibility of abuse. Exactly. So yeah. it's not looking good for him.
1: No, no. And there and so that is. The, the, they were not children. Children were not killed in that house. Okay. Not anybody that lived but there. They it probably does not went seem, through some
0: shit all the But same. they
1: definitely mm. went through some shit. So mm. that, that energy could still be there, you know, like that. Yeah. 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 So uh, there is a lot of crazy curse-like shit that happened to the Burger family, and I'm not.
0: I know you're not. You you know, I'm not a big curse person. Curses.
1: But there's some. I am. I love them. I know you're gonna love this because there's some strange coincidences. Okay. Uh, Now it is that that you know it's in the early 1900s. Shit was fucked up. Things were crazy anyway. So you know, keep that in mind. But uh, John dies of tuberculosis. Yeah. Fairly young. Uh, Ruth. A granddaughter of, of John and Mary was scalded badly enough that it was included in the papers. Oof. Their son's dog was killed by a woman trying to save her dog from an attack. In 1903, the barn caught fire and burned. Sparks set fire to two houses on, cor- on the corner of Monroe and 4th Streets and Monroe and Oak Streets. Damn. So there's a lot of rumors. Of the house catching on fire. It didn't catch on fire, but the barn did. But the barn and did,
0: and it burned down two other houses. It sparked the other houses.
1: So they, I don't think they burned down them. Oh, okay. John and Still. Mary's daughter-in-law was injured in a wagon break. The house was literally struck by lightning, but it did not stop. St- it didn't start a fire.
0: Huh.
1: Libby, Mary, and John's daughter died due to complications from diabetes and childbirth. The baby uh, had passed away as well.
0: Hmm. Now. Fairly common back then.
1: Yeah, she was diabetic, and she had five children already.
0: Oh, God! Good Lord. So, yeah. yeah,
1: Libby's other five children moved in uh, with Mary, and their father does not seem to show up ever again. Mm. Whether or not this is curse level, you know, we got the five babies, diabetic, but it does kind of present a theme of abandonment yeah. with this house, right? John dies young ulysses leaves with another woman um this woman dies you know their their daughter dies her mm. husband leaves, seems to disappear from the picture and these five kids are left you know so th- yeah. it is a, it's an interesting theme uh mary it also seems lost a baby who was to- two months old <coughs> pardon me it's all right not a scene for that time frame george berger john's brother mm. was shot in a hate crime against oh. germans in 1905 but he recovered good lord John's older brother, Marshall, died after, according to the obituary, a long illness, decline in health stemming from frostbite, amputation of leg, blood poisoning, pneumonia.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's quite a rap sheet.
1: Right. Also, in the abandonment category in 1940, <laughs> so 35 years later, okay. Sidney Faulkner, who lived upstairs with his wife, Merle, M-Y-R-L? I want to say Merrill, but.
0: Merrill, Merrill. I'm not sure. Merrill, Merrill. Merrill? I don't be know. One of those weird.
1: Um, he was. Ki- yeah, right.
0: Mercenari. <laughs> Merrill. <laughs> um,
1: but anyway, Sydney was killed when his car struck a bridge support beam. Oh. According to the papers. <clears throat> The bridge break
0: <laughs> the,
1: the bridge burn
0: It's a tongue twister. It
1: is. The bridge beam was driven back through the car, piercing Faulkner's body, and both car and bridge were badly damaged. Use of as ac- I don't know acetylene torches acetylene acetylene torches was necessary i've like i don't know that word torches uh use of torches (laughs) was necessary before the body could be removed from the automobile yeah in the car that's some
0: final destination i know i know oh
1: in the car with sydney at the time was another woman who was
0: not his wife Uh oh
1: she survived this car accident with no injuries
0: you know, I've known some people that have been in situations like that. I mm-hmm. knew a girl in high school who uh, whose boyfriend was killed in a horrific accident that she survived without a scratch. Oh, really? Yeah, weird. Mm-hmm. weird. And it was something similar. Like he he ran into an embankment or, or uh, a support beam or something like. It was a similar. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I, that's happened to a few uh, to people. It's weird what yeah. it does. It's like, wow, this one person was like obliterated yeah. and a few inches over, like really this other person has like maybe a bruise on their elbow. So weird. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. Freaky. Um,
1: with the fires, no fires were ever reported at the house, so those rumors seem to be false. Though, who knows if the building there before had been caught fire. The beam they show as being burnt uh, could not have been because of a house fire. Um, and also, just the other thing I think of is like this beam that is charred. If it had been really in a fire, they wouldn't have reused it. If it was damaged that much, you know. Well,
0: sometimes firing wood makes it stronger, which means that beam may have been put in because it was already a piece of well, fired wood.
1: Yeah, but that, not that like was
0: ha- that was that was a common practice, especially in the but not the like this it wasn't beam wasn't has been burned in ash. Any, it's just right. like strengthened. It's, it's yeah. almost like it's like a, it's kind of like giving it a sort of varnish. It's hard right, to explain, but right? It, it, but
1: it's not just. A beam that had been exposed in a house and had caught fire because the house burned down. And then they're like, let's use that again. That's not going to strengthen it.
0: No. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's a technique,
1: which it could explain why it appears burned. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the other thing is that there may have been a cemetery on the grounds. Of course. Yeah, so that, historically, there seems like there could have been. But I don't know for sure. Mm. What do we know? There wasn't a fire. Um, The beam is, is probably scalded because of what you said. Um... The two Myers kids were not killed, but they were absolutely abused along with their mother. That energy is real. Paranormal activity was first reported in the 1940s. Harry Myers owned the house at the time, and he had actually been the one to rent the upstairs uh, to the stabbed with a support beam Sidney Faulkner guy. Hmm. After his death, Myers rented uh, rented the upstairs to a couple with young children, and they were the ones who first noticed activity. In 2016, Hmm. an anonymous gentleman left a comment about the Monroe house on hauntedhovel.com. Haunted Hovel. Haunted Hovel. hovel. Here is his statement. I spent about six years of my childhood growing up in that house. I was always scared of the strange noises. They were not common, but when it happened, it sure got got your attention fast. My mother would comfort me about the sounds and the voices as a child... But she mentioned years later about a woman she thought she had seen upstairs near my bedroom. She had always wondered if she had seen the apparition of a woman who had taken her life decades ago. I, for one, never liked the old house and was happy when we relocated in the early 50s to Muncie. Always been curious about the afterlife after my youthful experiences and the house that brought it to my attention. Very good to find the site and pleased to see others chatting about the place. Brings a sense of normal to me uh, who have spent 70 plus years. In deep thought over my
0: experiences. Mm. Yeah.
1: And of course, yes, that could all be bullshit, but.
0: Seems unusual for someone at that age to make it up, but, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like some shit happened in this house and some houses that just, they just do. And then anything that's unfortunate that's that's associated with it gets blown mm-hmm. out of proportion because right. people watch too many fucking movies.
1: Exactly the go, oh, the, the children. A lot are of TV- they must have
0: been murdered as well.
1: Yes, and a lot of the TV shows go there and they have their psychics come in and say what what must have happened and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and it creates this this overblown. Story, but in reality, something is going on in the house. I believe mm-hmm. something's going on in the house, and um, well, and sometimes
0: whatever the energy is can take shape according to the beliefs projected onto it by yeah. the community. Right, I believe that. I mean, yeah. just the way like we've in past episodes we've talked about poltergeist activity, where the entity, if you can even call it that, seems to take suggestions from what people think it is. Right, and so it'll appear as a black mm-hmm. monk because oh, there's a rumor that there's a bla- there's a monk yes. haunting this this yes. area, even though it's not it's not. But it, it's almost like there's some kind of energy that takes advantage of the the um uh the stories we tell ourselves uh-huh. about it. So, so it's like half true and half not. Yeah. It yeah. yeah. fascinates me. It, it is the really same,
1: does. same. At this point, the Monroe House has been vacant for over ten years, occupied only by the dead. Or the demonic. Which seems to be and the consensus. what's left of
0: Zach Bagans' eyesight. Right. <laughs> That's so rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's a medical condition and I feel bad for him. But I just don't think a demon's responsible.
1: No. No. Um and most people, the consensus around the property is that they do believe it is demonic. Something, I gather, has attached itself to the home. Was it cursed from the get-go? I doubt it. Do the ghosts of those who live there still walk through the house? Probably. I would assume, much like Velisca, this house is another home with its own ghosts and enough attention to
0: attra- attract some more. Mm. There you have it. That's a good story. Thanks. But thank you for giving us an actually.
1: You're welcome. I thought you were I right am ahead.
0: going to go urinate and All then right. make us a couple more drinks and then I'll tell you my story. Okay, sounds good. All right. So, mm-hmm. my story is fairly well known. Uh, but I decided to, you know, plunge in all the same and see what I could find that maybe wasn't as well known about it. Um, I am covering the Bell Witch of Woo-hoo! Tennessee.
1: Oh, yay! Hold on, let me get comfortable.
0: Okay, get comfortable. Cats you'll she... drink.
1: Huh. <laughs> okay.
0: That's adorable. Okay. So. Um, the key events uh, surrounding the Bell Witch story occurred from uh, 1817 to 1820 in a place called Red River, Tennessee, now called Adams, which is a little uh, town that continues to revere the legend in its own quiet, understated way. In fact, to look uh, around at the little quaint Main Street areas and stuff, you'd never know that the sleepy little southern hamlet was the scene of what historian Bo Adams calls the oldest continuous ghost story in in the United States, meaning that Yet, shit still goes on today. Mm. Um, in fact, the more I looked into it, the more this whole fucking little town seems to be haunted. Oh, really? and, and most of the town used to be part of the Bell Farm. Okay. Um So oh, it would yeah, make sense. I guess, yeah. So um, now tales have been passed between residents uh, for generations, and what the outside world knows about the Bell Witch story comes largely from a book called "The Authenticated History of the Bell Witch,", Witch by M. V. Egram, first printed in 1894, some 40 years after the original story happened. Um, Ingram based his book on the diary of John Bell's son, Richard, and he also kind of shored up some of the accounts with uh, eyewitness testimony from either people that were still around who witnessed things, or at least their their descendants. So, according to land records, um, John Bell, who was a barrel maker, decided to take up farming. So, he and his young wife, Lucy, uh, came from North Carolina into Robinson County, Uh, which is where Red River was, is still, and around 1804, and they started buying up land. Now, they were one of 11 families to make the trek from North Carolina into Robinson County to start this little community, because it wasn't really anything beforehand. And a couple of interesting things about this time period, and and starting with, um, as their wagon train slogged over the Carolina mountains into... Uh, Tennessee, they witness the so-called Brown Mountain Lights, which is that area's kind of version of the Moff- the, the, the Marfa Lights, ghost lights, basically, that are seen to be mm-hmm. just these weird orbs that shoot up into the sky and right. have no discernible origin, but have been seen for hundreds of years, at least, um, and that you can still see, apparently. They're, they're eerie ghost lights that can still be seen from the Blue Ridge Parkway at milepost 301 and 310, as well as along Highway 181 between Morganton and Linville, um, you know, it may not have any bearing on what they experienced later once they built the property or built the cabin on the property that would be the Bell Farm, but it does kind of set the tone for just the eeriness. If it was, if I was writing a movie about this, that's where I would start. Okay, Someone <laughs> okay. on the wagon train seeing these ominous lights. Um, now, in 1811, a great comet designated by astronomers as C-1811F1 appeared in the night sky and was visible to the naked eye for about 260 nights leo Mm. tolstoy in fact makes the comet a plot point in war and peace uh in december of that year um when the comet faded from the sky uh, it was followed by uh this famous earthquake that radiated out of new madrid missouri that was one of the largest on record in the continental u.s it apparently shook bells in their towers for in four states and um like it was so violent, I, I don't I don't have any records for how many people it killed, but it was so violent that it actually reversed the course of the Mississippi River, which is which formed uh, Realfoot Lake in northern northwestern Tennessee. That's how big a fucking quake it was. Right. And yeah. If you look at a list of the biggest quake, it's it's up there in like the top fifteen that have hit the U.S. in its history, um, which is pretty crazy. Now, just later in 1816, uh, Mount Tambora in the Dutch Indies, which is now Indonesia. Erupted and spewed hundreds of metric tons of volcanic ash into the atmosphere, which created massive climate anomalies for several um, for months following in fact, historians still recall the year eighteen hundred and sixteen as the year without a summer because of it here in the u s mm-hmm. because of a volcanic eruption in Indonesia. Um, the year without a summer was crazy; crops failed, cattle starved, corn shot up to ten dollars a barrel, which was basically three years worth of salary for most oh, people geez. then. So, it was a really, really rough time. So, going back to when John Bell actually bought the farm, literally bought the farm, not bought, he, he, well, he will buy the farm figuratively before the story is over. Um. Literally, probably. <laughs> well, he, now he's literally buying the farm, but he figuratively buys it later, which is what makes this one of the more interesting gotcha. ghost stories. But I mean, because figuratively,
1: we all buy the farm.
0: That's true. Yeah. But he bought the farm in a particularly ugly way that may or may not be directly related to the ghost. So, he bought this land, which was 360 acres, and in the process of doing so, the story goes that he cheated an eccentric and outspoken local named Kate Batts in a land deal. Now, Kate was a real person. Um, she wasn't well-liked by the community. She was ornery. She had this impish sense of humor. She, For example, she always showed up late to church. Um, oh, no. and love, But she loved to do it on purpose. She had these um, three slaves uh, that were always referred to around town as Kate's Troop, and they were, she kind of encouraged them to misbehave and and be around her. They were like her. They were almost like her familiars, if you will. (laughs) And and she certainly kind of, uh, you know, played that up. And she would come into church late, disrupt the services with all of them, and people would murmur and whatever. She just, she was really, she was honest. I love this one little apocryphal story. Um, One afternoon, she kind of brazenly uh, sat on the back of a fellow worshiper, a guy named Mr. Edwards, who was kind of kneeling in front of his pew. Um, her weight kind of crushed him to the floor and her hoop skirts blinded him so he just thought he was in some religious ecstasy the preacher apparently came over and told Kate to get the hell off of him we probably didn't say hell and and she said (laughs) she's reported to have said I'll let him suffocate, it'll bring him closer to God that's the point, right? I kind of love her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Right. So, unsurprisingly, she had the reputation, uh, she had a reputation for being a witch. And when Bell screwed her over out of this land deal, she vowed revenge. So it's no coincidence that the central ah. entity of the Bell Witch Haunting um, was to call itself Kate on more than one occasion. Ah. Uh, many people believe that Kate Bats actually conjured the spirit or spirits that right. would beset the family because for the next three years.
1: How dare a woman not only speak her mind, but also want to have property? Mm. Ridiculous.
0: Right? And expect I mean, a fair beyond deal, the slaves, you know?
1: and that was terrible. and
0: It was terrible. That's some bullshit. Yeah. Um, so, the incidents surrounding the Bell Witch uh, a story began in 1817, and they began in one of two ways, depending on which version of the story you look at. I think both of these things happen, but as to what kicked things off is up in the air. So, one version says that Betsy Bell, who was uh, John's youngest daughter, she was the only daughter actually born in 1817. Uh, Robinson County all his other children were born before they came over Mm -hmm. and or before they crossed the mountains into Tennessee. Betsy was exploring an old cave on the back part of the property with some of her friends. One of them, uh, the cave, by the way, is still there. And is called the Bell Witch Cave. Uh, it's a quartz crystal cave. So people oh. frequently go in there and see quartz, but they are advised never to take anything. Oh. And we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> so apparently Betsy was exploring this cave, and there was a young boy in, in the group of friends who got stuck in a little hole in the back and couldn't get out. And so they're, mm. they're trying to get this boy free, and nothing was working. He was just stuck in there, unusually, because he seemed right. to fit just fine. And... Um, suddenly they said this like this, this is this, something like yeah, something it style yeah kind of well so this <laughs> voice apparently came out of the <laughs> darkness and just very calmly said i'll ah, get him out and then this boy then was kind of lifted by unseen hands out of the hole <gasps> they all did exactly what you did and ran <laughs> and some people it that kind of that
1: and he had to run out of there after that with that pee dribbling right down his leg.
0: Oh, you know it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And some people think, well, yeah, maybe that's where... That's Maybe they Maybe they woke up the entity, maybe being in that cave. A lot of people Mm-mm. believe that's where things started, was this cave. Oh. And there are things attached to the cave. Now, um, another origin story, which happened around the same time, um, so it's hard to tell which of these happened first. Okay. Um, for all I know, they happened on the same day. But another has that, uh, that uh, John Bell was... Uh, uh, he saw something in his cornfield and went to go see it. It was like early dusk, I think it was. And he saw this weird fucking creature. Okay. Um A cryptid, uh, if mm. you will. And mm-hmm. the creature, he said, had the body of a large dog and the head of a rabbit. He fired at it with a shotgun, but it missed or, or it didn't wound anything. I love that he thing, sees
1: it and he's like, that's fucked up. I'm going to kill it.
0: Well, I mean, that was just, well, you know, it was. body of a
1: dog. It's in his cornfield. And the head of a rabbit.
0: Body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. I feel um, it.
1: Like, what good is that? Uh,
0: well, <laughs> the whole point may have just be to be weird looking and to get him shooting or to get him freaked out. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's something of this entity or entities kind of take the form of some bizarre shit just to fuck with them, oh. it seems. So he, he shot at the thing. It, you know, disappeared. He didn't seem to have wounded it at all. He goes back to his cabin. I wonder if it
1: still hopped like a rabbit, but with dog legs.
0: <laughs> it, it doesn't say. I wonder. I want to believe that that's exactly did. what it Yeah, like. absolutely, <laughs> so, hopped away. Um it's funny, in a dog with a rabbit's head, does it chase its own head? Um, exactly. It's very I'm
1: very confused. And what is the good of the head? Like what does it do? Like it runs and like, attacks lettuce? I think, the,
0: I think the entity that's like presenting in that way just has a really surreal sense of humor it, and is like, yeah. yeah, you figure it out. It's like,
1: yeah, it's very Give that ghost a job, like, a job at Nickelodeon. I, yeah. Um, Craziness. Okay, so, sorry. Uh, yeah, no. I just so, can't get over it. Uh,
0: so he goes back to his cabin with his family and okay. just kind of tries to put this weird creature out of his mind. Well that That night, he and his whole family start hearing these sounds. uh, Little knocking sounds, little scratchings, uh, chains dragging. And they're kind of subtle at first and easy to write off. But night after night, the sounds return. And each night, they get louder and louder and louder and harder and harder to dismiss. Um, The noises grew to the point where, finally, joining in the chorus of all these disembodied noises was a disembodied voice announcing itself as kate now kate was known she would curse she would sing gospel songs she would (laughs) laugh she would cackle drunkenly um Meanwhile, uh, the slaves on the farm, and John Bell did have quite a few slaves, reported all kinds of weird shit. But one of the weirder things is they reported seeing strange human-sized birds stalking yeah. the fields. Now, Betsy, coming back to Betsy, who, again, was the, the only child to be born in Robinson County, she seemed to become the center of the Bell witches' uh, attacks, but also some of her affections. Um, it started with her, specifically her bed covers would be pulled off in the middle of the night, and she would get into this fight with whatever it was pulling it off. She'd wrench it back and wrench it off, and wrench it back and wrench it off would go on and her brothers would see this. They all slept in the same room and mm-hmm. they would see this and what the hell she would wake up and her hair would be tied in knots. <gasps> they would take forever to get apart if she'd just have to cut it off. Um, unseen hands Rude. would slap her audibly. Like her brothers and father and mother could hear a and or oh a very loud god. one, and then they would see red a red handprint appear on her face. Oh my god! Uh, also, these these welts would appear, little scratches would appear on her, and they, just from nowhere, her but brothers. Why her? Uh, well, she was she was the youngest, and she was of that age when poltergeist activity tends to um, orbit around a teenager going through. Pubescence, yeah, pubescence, or puberty. Yeah, um,
1: right. Her brothers
0: right. Joel, John, uh, Joel, John Jr., and Richard, who wrote the diary, uh, began experiencing the same things, never to her level, uh, but they would also hear the sounds of rats chewing on the bedposts, and they would they would light their lamps and look, and there would be nothing there, mm-hmm. no evidence of any rats whatsoever. They would hear rocks rattling on the exterior of the house, like people were just outside throwing rocks, and they would and it's almost as if the second one of them mentioned, like, well, this is clearly the neighbors doing something. Then the sounds would stop and the same sounds would start again from inside the house. Oh, no. With no visible source.
1: I'd never, before we started doing this podcast, I really had never heard this thing about rocks being hit. Like, a
0: house. It's a pretty frequent... I didn't
1: realize how common that was. It's
0: a pretty frequent yeah. trope in poltergeist activity, like the scratching and the, the marks that you don't feel, but you mm-hmm. or you don't feel whatever caused them, but you see them later and go, what right. the hell? Yeah. Um, and voices. I want to talk about the voice.
1: Talk about the voice!
0: Because this is really fascinating. Now, most people know the story because of the voice of Kate, who said, I'm, I'm Kate, and it sounded like this drunk old woman that would mm-hmm. curse and, and do all this crazy shit, and, and it would... But here's the thing. So, uh, again, going back to Colin Wilson, who's one of my favorite writers on the subject of poltergeist, I've Mm -hmm. mentioned him multiple times. um, He writes that poltergeist voices do not... Uh, in the literature at least, they don't sound at all like ordinary human voices, at least not to begin with. It seems as if the entity has to master a strange medium to form sounds into words. Most talking ghosts famously begin in a guttural voice that sounds as if it's being made up of grunts or groans. The bell witch made gasping gasping whispering noises, more like an asthmatic cough. Uh Gradually, the voice developed into a low but audible whisper. Um, Now, Betsy, he says, was undoubtedly providing the energy for these demonstrations because she would become fatigued miserable short of breath and subject to fainting spells during them yeah. um, and whenever she was unconscious the voice would cease now this led a lot of neighbors and some people since then, to suggest that she was just a very talented ventriloquist but the breathiness the nature of the voice being breathy for us being voice actors mm-hmm. that's impossible to do yeah you can't you can't make a voice like the you know, i'm assuming yeah. it sound like this you can't make a voice like that through close through close or for it not being on it mind you this all happened in a cabin with like three rooms yeah so like she's not hiding this is it just seems like the voice is coming from over here but she is losing her breath and it's almost like oh. it's taking her ability from her and it's That's I, creepy. i'm gonna suggest that it's it's would have been impossible for her to fake this if the voice uh, uh, manifests as it's described. Because the breathiness of it, it, you just don't, it's, especially she was a child. Mm -hmm. And people are going to be looking at her going, okay, whatever. Something else that suggests it couldn't have been her is, um, At the same, well, two more things that suggest that it was real and not her faking it or anyone else faking it. Um, John Bell would start suffering. Whenever the voice would talk, his own tongue would would visibly swell. (gasps) And his jaw would seize up. He would describe it like someone was wedging uh, a stick in his mouth, like jamming up the hinges of his jaw. Mm. And it would happen for hours at a time. Even after the voice was gone, he couldn't make it stop. He would have to go without meals because he couldn't eat. Maybe it was taking
1: energy from him, too, in just like a weird way.
0: Well, the the, the bell witch seems to have taken energy from Betsy and used it to fuck with John. Oh. The papa bell. Um,
1: The man who bought the land. The man who bought the
0: land, or didn't buy the land. Now, Now, and, and something else that suggests the voice was not being faked, at least not by Betsy, uh, or Betsy alone, was that the voice was maturing into a more human-sounding one. Um, It began using bits of sermons given by local preachers uh, that she had not attended, and gradually incorporated foul language, which she was not familiar with. It also, and here's the kicker for me, it spoke in six distinct voices, like Mm. an actor exploring its range, and over time, each of these voices um, uh, had an identity and gave itself a name and would announce itself. One um, said uh, it was a Native American whose remains had been disturbed but didn't offer more details. Another proclaimed itself to be Kate Bats, as we all know. Still, four others appeared over time, all with names, and these fucking names are great. One was called Black Dog, one was called Mathematics, one was called Psychography, and mm. one was called Jerusalem. Black Dog had a harsh, masculine voice. Jerusalem was a young boy. The other two sounded delicate and feminine. Moreover, they often spoke as if they were drunk, and while they were speaking, the house filled, filled with the smell of whiskey.
1: Well, I mean, I support that.
0: <laughs> I mean, these ghosts sound like they're having a fucking party. I know. Um, now, at one point, Betsy was ministered to by a local quack that gave her, like, epicac or some, something similar. I don't know what they would have called it back then. Um, as a result, she what vomited... What is epicac? It's what you take to retch to vomit. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a purgative... What, what they call it i forget what they it may be purgative okay. the medical term is is you know it's meant to induce yeah. vomiting like if you've swallowed poison or something okay gotcha um but uh so she was administered this thing and a very common uh um, epicac, or wasn't epic common purgative she wretched up dozens of brass pins <gasps> and needles um At her birthday party not long after, the entity said, I have a surprise for you, at which point an entire fucking basket of fruit is said to have materialized out of nowhere and plopped down on the table. The spirit claimed to have spirited them from the West Indies. Uh, Now, John's wife, Lucy, took ill for a period, and while she was bedridden, the entity would soothe her. And would take actually very good care of her. He, uh, she would. Kate would soothe her with uh, nice soothing words, would sing lullabies and hymns to her that mm-hmm. were audible to everyone else. She'd also give her little snacks. <laughs> little hazelnuts would just drop down out of the ceiling into her lap. What? Um, and there was no hazelnut trees anywhere near the house for that to have just been a natural occurrence. And, um, and at the same, now Lucy's health began to improve mm-hmm. unaccountably because she wasn't responding to medicine very well, apparently. Um, but as her health improved, John's health steadily deteriorated. Oh. And, but it's um, weird.
1: It's like... You know the girl, is, the little girl is suffering, and John suffering, but the wife, we, she's fine. We yeah, like the her. wife
0: was fine, and 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 the little girl was suffering to an extent, but the little girl, it it's hard. almost like Kate would make apologies to her and be like, well, here's a birthday cake, or here's a treat, here's okay, or here's gotcha. not a birthday cake, here's here's the thing, like it almost felt like maybe maybe Betsy was suffering because she was just the conduit, right. and and her sufferings were the kind of natural byproduct, whereas John was being directly attacked, gotcha, with that energy, okay. and um and so it was, it was I don't know it's very interesting. That's just kind of the spin on it that that, that I take. Really? So, John of he, he deteriorated, and uh, he did not get sung hymns to, or soothed. In fact, Kate used to love to hover around the bed. The voice would hover around him and fucking curse at him, keep him up all night with body songs, like, pull the covers off, all that shit. Like, he just could not get a moment's rest. One afternoon, he, or one evening, rather, he left, he walked outside to relieve himself, and his shoes just were wrenched off his feet oh. into the snow. He had to get them to put them back on, and they would fly off again, and he would put them back on, fly off again. Finally, something slapped him so far fucking hard when he tried to receive to retrieve his shoes that he had to sit down on a log to fucking regain his composure wow. um
1: i'll tell you what if i have to go outside to relieve myself um and it's snowing and someone takes my shoes off of my feet i'll just get them tomorrow <laughs> well but it's probably- but even if it's not snowing i'll right. just get them tomorrow right especially well, if it's not so snowing but it's like
0: but here's the thing, if it's snowing and those shoes go mop, you're not going to find those shoes tomorrow. That's you're fine. not going to find those shoes until the thaw, and you don't have any other shoes. Uh, well, that's a good point. Uh, and it's going to be not oh, well. that much warmer in the house. Oh, well. <laughs> this was 1817. I'm
1: going to have to put my toes next to the fire <laughs> and well, hope
0: for the best. So, for the first year of the attacks, John Bell forbade his family uh, to talk about what was going on because he didn't want anyone in the community to think he was nuts. Um, he did tell his friend and neighbor, a guy named James Johnson... Who tried to help. Now, uh, John Bell invited James to spend the night at the Bell Cabin, and James did and experienced all this for himself and was like, yeah, you got some you got some shit going on. Uh, and John's response was, you know what we should do? We should read Bible verses. That'll help. That'll get rid of this demonic energy. Didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the voice would just mock them and like read things back to them and like, <laughs> move shit around. So James was like, well, you know what we ought to do then is uh, we should start a full-scale investigation with other members of the community. Which is right. the last thing John Bell wanted, but it happened. And suddenly the whole fucking town was like, what's what's going on there? What's happening over there? And right. it word traveled fast. People from all over came to see what was going on at right. the Bell Farm. And uh, in fact, <laughs> one of the more famous people to come and see what all the fuss was about was uh, future president and then soldier Andrew Jackson. Oh! Bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson, son yeah. of a bitch that he was. Yeah. Now, he caught wind of it. Uh, And he showed up in uh, Red River with a complement of troops to see what was going on. Now, the legend goes that as his wagon approached the property, the wheels inexplicably seized up on the path leading to the cabin, Mm -hmm. uh, about a mile away. And uh, they got out. There was no visible reason for them to have done so. But all four wheels just refused to fucking move. The horses were fine. Everything was fine. The wheels were just locked in place. They try for what seems like a small eternity to get the shit moving again. And finally, no one knows what was said or what happened. Some people say the legend was that Andrew Jackson finally said, all right, well, whatever's doing this, I'm sorry if I have any dude to have for permission or something. Maybe he asked for permission. But at some point, a voice from the bushes called out and said, you can go ahead now, General. And then the wheels were fine.
1: Oh! Now, there
0: is no record of what happened to them, though we do know they stayed the, the night in the bell cabin. Mm-hmm. As John Bell's guests, but we do know that it's Andrew, like Jackson, Andrew Jackson
1: was a ghost hunter. <laughs> yeah,
0: he <laughs> was. He was Zach Bagans. No,
1: <laughs> I mean. <laughs>
0: Um, But Jackson is reported to have vowed, quote, I would rather fight the whole of the British army single-handedly than spend one more night in the bell house.
1: Wow. And this was
0: Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson was a man who, when old and the president was attacked by some crazy guy that wanted to assassinate him, took out his stick, which is called Old Hickory, and Mm -hmm. beat the shit out of him with it in front of (laughs) everyone rather than let himself be torn away. This is the guy. Didn't want to spend another night in the bell mansion, in the bell uh, cabin. Um So anyway, John Bell's health continued to fail. On the the night of December 20th, 1820, he took to bed after a particularly grueling bout of convulsions during which his shoes repeatedly flew off regardless of his son Richard's attempts to put them back on. John finally fell unconscious. In the morning, he was found in a stupor with a strange odor on his lips that no mm. one recognized. On the bedside table lay a bottle of the strange smoky liquid that no one had seen before. No one knew the bottle's origin. The family administered the contents to a cat, and wouldn't you know it, the poor creature keeled over in seconds. They did
1: not like that John cat.
0: Bell had been poisoned. <gasps> Um, before anyone could point the finger at each other, the spirit's voice rang out triumphantly, I fixed John's medicine last night, gave him a big dose of it, he'll never get out of that bad again. John died the following day. (gasps) En route to burial, Kate was said to have serenaded John's funeral train from the treetop, spewing curses and drunkenly singing body songs. Following this, the entity seems to have lost interest in the family when John Jr., asked the entity one night to help him contact his now-deceased father. It informed him that the dead could not come back and then called him over to the window where he saw, and uh, his brother Richard reports this in the diary, he saw footsteps in the snow materialize, leading away from the house. Oh, no. Not long after this, the family was sitting, uh, eating dinner one night when a sound like a cannonball erupted out of the chimney, ash- and soot went everywhere, all over everything. Kate emerged, the voice, uh, Mm -hmm. and said she was leaving for good. Not true, because as in April of 1821, um, a man named Joshua Gardner asked for Betsy's hand in marriage. Now, according to Richard Bell's diary, the activity picked back up around this time and did so with a vengeance. All the old torments resurfaced. Noises, slaps, welts to the skin, the covers, everything. The voice would sing and curse at all hours of the night. Um, Betsy even saw the apparition of a little girl swinging from a tree um not hung or anything or right. hanged but like just swinging from a tree playfully but begging her not to marry Gardner. Hmm. betsy took the ghost's advice and <laughs> gave and gave gardener back his engagement ring Good for joshua her. moved away um <laughs> And though the the spirits seem to have disappeared around that time, the Bell family continued to be plagued by misfortune for the years to come. Betsy married her teacher, Richard Powell, uh, who was uh, also taught her brothers, uh, in 1924. Richard's first wife, Esther Scott, had died the same year that Betsy broke off her engagement with Joshua Gardner interesting to note Um, of Richard and Betsy's eight children four died before the age of 12 two others died in late adolescence after Richard's death sometime between 1873 and 1875 Betsy moved to Walter Valley Mississippi where she lived with her two surviving daughters until her death in 1888 okay now in modern times Uh here's the shit that still kind of goes on on what was formerly the Bell Bell. property which is most of the fucking town
1: okay all right
0: Arthur Arthur, author, historian, and curator of one of the local Bellwich Museums, a guy named Tim Henson. <laughs> Tim, Oh, this makes me smile. Um, Once noticed a man sitting outside in the parking lot in a black Camaro with Montgomery plates. When Henson walked up to try to make conversation and find out why the man was lingering there, the man suddenly blurted out, where's the cave? I was just here the other day and I can't find the damn thing. Confused, Henson pressed him for details. I have to get in there and put this rock back, was his exasperated reply. He'd been on a tour of the Bell Witch Cave the week before and foolishly against the advice of the tour guide, took one of the quartz rocks uh, from the cave as a souvenir. Guy returned home the next morning to discover his wife had left him. The next day, he was fired from his job. Several days after that, he got an eviction notice out of nowhere, even though his rent had been paid up. Now, according to Bill Eden, the current owner of the land on which the cave sits, strange things continue to go on in and outside the cave. Once, while Bill was leading a group of 12 people down the path toward the cave, because he often gives tours, uh, one of the tourists, a woman, suddenly plopped down on the dirt in the middle of the path and wouldn't get up couldn't get up, apparently. Uh, She said a heavy, invisible force was holding her down. The others tried to pick her up and couldn't. It took the whole goddamn group to lift this single person... Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I mean single as in just one person. (laughs) I don't know what her relationship status was. But took the whole group to pick this one human being up off the path and carry her back to her car and only then did the force seem to release her and she could move of her own free will again. Now, Bill, Bill Eden, has had an experience of his own uh, in the cave one afternoon alone and just looking through it, he heard footsteps and looked up to see a figure standing a few yards off with its back to him. Mm -hmm. The figure, he says, was solid white and from what he could tell, featureless. But another odd detail that stuck out—that stuck out—the figure had no feet. Ew. Where the feet should have been, the legs simply tapered to nothing several inches off the ground. Oh. Now Paul Eden, and I can't get any information whether Paul is related to Bill. But Paul Eden lived in a house on the Old Bell Acreage for upwards of 20 years with his family, not far from an old slave cemetery, though it be more appropriate to call it a half-forgotten collection of graves than an actual cemetery. Unexplained phenomena were part of the course in the Eden home. Disembodied footsteps, cabinet doors would open and shut on their own. Paul's oldest son heard a voice call him by name on several occasions. One evening, while his son was out, Paul ventured upstairs to his son's bedroom in search of a book he'd borrowed. Unable to find it, he made his way back downstairs. As he descended, with his hand on the banister, a voice, out of nowhere, asked, What are you looking for? Yeah. And there was no one else in the house. No! Now, when he was seven years old, descendant Bob Bell, a fourth-generation Adam Zeit, an operator of the Austin and Bell Funeral Home, recalls that his grandmother, who lived three doors down from the house where he grew up, called his father one afternoon in an absolute panic. Now, mind you, this is all still on Bell property. Yeah, right. Um, when Bob and his father came to the grandmother's rescue, they found the poor woman had, was so shaken that she'd locked the front door, something she rarely did. Yeah. It seems that while taking a nap that afternoon, she'd suddenly been awoken by a terrible Crash from the kitchen. She went to investigate and found every piece of china removed from a cabinet in the butler's pantry and arranged neatly on the floor no. without a crack.
1: Well, I mean, that's preferred.
0: That's preferred. But doesn't that sound like the Black Monk of Pontefract? It does. Same, There's same a theme same thing. here. Like, yeah. These ghosts, like they have a playbook. Yeah, <laughs> right? Um. Uh, local writer and ghost hunter Dewey Edwards often felt eyes on him while adapting Ingram's book for modern readers. Sitting in his computer one night alone, he says he caught movement in the corner of his eye and glanced up to see a figure passing by the doorway to his office when no one was home. Another descendant, Dr. Charles Bailey Bell, uh, donated part of the Bell property to the town of Adams in 1912. A high school was built on the site. In 1949, it was converted to an elementary school and finally closed its doors in 1974. Since then, the building has been used as a civic center, complete with an antique shop, an auditorium, a tea room, and a beauty salon. People frequently witness a little girl with long blonde hair and a green dress wandering the stalls. She's commonly seen rounding a corner only to evaporate right before their eyes. According to legend, some will say the death is a matter of public record. I can't find it. She is the ghost of a student who was locked in a closet in what is now the tea room and tragically suffocated. Others have seen a gentleman dressed in a vintage flannel three-piece suit and brown derby hat they believe to have once been the high school's principal. Hmm. Propriet- proprietor of Buzzard Creek Antiques, Greg Lynn, is the antique shop on this site, uh, grew up on what was now once Bell property, as did most everyone in Adams. He once spied a large black panther who are not anywhere in any way, shape, or form local to that area, while he was out hunting. Now, he said he watched the beast skulk through the trees and vanish into thin air after fording a creek. He returned to the area in better light midday the following afternoon and found tracks consistent with that of a large cat, but only on one side. They disappeared at the river, at the creek edge. Mm. Greg also sees the girl in green crouched in the corner of his shop. Also on the site of this building is the so-called Bell Witch Bad Luck chair, which once belonged to John Bell himself. Though the chair was lost to history for many years, presumably sold off to some unknowing buyer in the last century, a couple in Kingston Springs donated the chair to the Civic Center on condition that it never be sold. Their grandson, they said, had once had a frightening experience when, cracking jokes about the whole Bell Witch affair, which he thought absurd, the chair responded by levitating off the ground, (gasps) hurling himself at him, and pinning him to the floor. Now, the chair came with authentication documents, so we know it was once John Bell's, and it also came, oddly, with a typewritten, as opposed to a printed, hardbound copy of a book about the Bell Witch, authored by Dr. Charles Bailey Bell himself. The hmm. couple's as far as we know, it's the only other book that was written by any anybody that had any descendancy from the Belf clan. Okay. Uh, now, the couple who owned the chair for years before donating it to the civic center said they they would frequently see misty apparitions in their home around mm. the vicinity of the chair. The smell of bacon and eggs would fill the house most mornings. John Bell's favorite breakfast, along well, I mean, with
1: that's not bad, it's not
0: bad, along with a distinct smell of pipe tobacco, which was odd since no one in the house smoked. Uh, since making its way back home to Adams, however, the chair appears to be at peace. Although. Um, uh, the guy that owns it, uh, Greg, who runs, uh, uh, doesn't own it, but who runs and kind of curates the area, will not let anyone sit in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or take pictures without asking permission. It makes you wonder, without asking permission. Is,
1: does John haunt that chair? Maybe. As opposed to whatever, you know, the...
0: It just seems like this area was just rife with activity. Yeah. and that... Because,
1: you know, the chair attacks the guy from making fun of the Bell Witch mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. but then it's all of John's experiences, right? That right,
0: is, right, you know, right.
1: It's just interesting.
0: Okay. Um So, two little details before I get into the final little dun-dun-dun moment of the story that I found. There's a guy, a playwright named David Offord, who wrote a dramatized version of The Bell Witch Legend called Spirit, which is still performed every October in Adams, and features several of John Bell's descendants in the cast. really? It's kind of cool. Yeah. I wonder if they have any stories. Um, There's also a musical version that has since come and gone, but it has an interesting little story to it in Nashville circa 1939 the year she graduated from Vanderbilt University no less August a singer than Dinah Shore is oh. on record as having played Betsy in one of the premieres in the region hmm. now in more recent years a self-professed clairvoyant from Leakesville Mississippi named Sarah Dunley Pugh but who calls herself Angel Lee it's a good name believes the Bells weren't so much cursed as the land they lived on uh, in talks from beyond the, the grave, Betsy, she says, has confided in her that she was actually the victim of sexual abuse at the hands of her father. The manifestations arose from a combination of the dark forces already present on the property and the power stirred up within Betsy by the abuse. Oh. What's more, says Pew, a slave trying to protect Betsy, then 11 years old, was responsible for John Bell's burner. Not the spirit.
1: Ah. Oh.
0: Um, Bob Bell, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. confirms that Pew's story has the ring of truth because she got a lot of facts about their family history correct that outsiders to Adams simply wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. And oh. that, in, in summation, is uh,
1: the Bell Witch. Oh, wow. Fascinating stuff. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Blew my mind. (laughs) You're
0: like, (laughs) so much was so much going on. I know. I know. It's a lot.
1: Okay. Well, wow. So what do you think about it?
0: I'm kind of inclined to believe that there was just, there were so many weird things going on. It's why I wrote about, uh, decided to include all the stuff about, like, the earthquake and the volcanic stuff. Mm -hmm. It just seems like almost this Lovecraftian preface, like Mm -hmm. this, the land was going through some shit. Maybe there was forces that were stirred up by all the climatological changes. Yeah. Um, And that bell... You know, it might have been the intersection of several different things going on. I mean, maybe Kate Bats was uh, was a kind of local witch, yeah. um, and maybe she, you know, just and maybe she was maybe she wasn't a witch in the sense that we think, and maybe she just happened to like know. Oh, there's some shit going on in this land, and if I kind of know how to shape the behavior, like you would any pet, <laughs> right,
1: <yeah. laughs> maybe I can
0: get to do my bidding or whatever. Or maybe there was just land, uh, this 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 land that for- had this weird energy to it, and it it. Um, made people living on it susceptible to their own nightmares. It's almost like it could make Mm -hmm. their their internal projections real, manifest. So that, like, perhaps all these ghosts were um, the manifestations of John Bell's own guilty conscience. Maybe, yeah. um, Which would perhaps explain... You know, uh, maybe could explain why it took such good care of his wife, uh-huh. but also berated him. Right. Um, could also be why it had such a seemed to have such a problematic relationship with Betsy.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And uh, and that the fact that stuff still goes on, and that some of the things that happen are so textbook in terms of like the you know even things like the the large black cat. That uh, the one guy Greg saw mm-hmm, on the property mm-hmm. not long ago—that's uh, a weird thing that comes up a lot in other stories of poltergeist activity. Yeah. It seems like the whole town is just kind of a, a kind of a its own little Bermuda Triangle, and yeah. that this family lived there and just and that they kind of created these entities, these topas. We've brought that up before. Right. That maybe the, the whatever energies were already on the land enabled these people to unconsciously create these entities that then ha- took on a life of their own.
1: That makes sense. It yeah. does make sense. Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you, Michael. You're welcome. That's a really good story. Thank you. And I- thank you, everybody, for listening.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um, That, I guess, is to all for today's episode. I made it through without dying. You did it. You survived. <laughs> um, And, uh, you know, check us out on the... The iTunes.
0: The iTunes. And
1: the the website, Mm -hmm, mm Googleintentions.com. And Spotify. You you can find Spotify. Spotify. Google Play. Pretty much all of the podcasting platforms we're on right now. Anyone
0: who's anyone is playing us.
1: That's right. That's (laughs) right. And we also of course have our new Ghosticles episodes you can listen to. They come out on Thursdays. And Um, send us your stories. Please do they're so good. If you if you live in this town,
0: please send us your story because I know there's tons more there have I know to just be. about everyone in Adams yeah or if you live in a, a really stories. haunted
1: town tell us your stories about haunted that towns now.
0: fascinate me I yeah. want to do a story on a haunted town
1: it's great mm. I love it all mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so yeah no
0: thank you yeah yeah um and, of course, you can go to ghoulintentions.com for links to the social media sites we just mentioned. Yes. You can also listen to previous episodes to your heart's content or shop at our store.
1: That's right. We have shirts.
0: hmm And, and we love kids. seeing you take pictures of them. We do. They're such it great shirts. I never get tired of, like, hawking yeah. those shirts. And they're um, on uh,
1: Twitter. Instagram, like, mm-hmm, you know.
0: Mm-hmm, and all that and stuff. more importantly, you can go to our website to submit your own ghost story for consideration Super to be read on a future episode of Google Intentions. Find that form in the menu under Submit Your Ghost Story. That's right. And. Yeah. Also, you know, thanks for continuing to support us. Please Mm -hmm. give us a review on iTunes if you haven't yet. and review. And uh, you know, help us spread the word about this podcast. We would appreciate it. Now we come to Jamie's quote of the day. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) Oh yes, the past can hurt, but you can either run from it or learn from it.
0: Oh, my grandmother. No, okay. Close. Cl- close? Really? Okay. Have you been talking to her? You do have powers. Well, um,
1: it's, it's not at all close, but I don't it's know. close. I don't know. It's Rafiki from The Lion King. Oh,
0: yeah, that is like my grandma. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yes, the past can hurt, but you can either run from it or learn from it.
0: See if you'd That's have it. gone with... Uh, um, banana, banana. i would have been like oh yeah then i would have known
1: hakuna matata is that what yeah. you're thinking no then? no
0: the little chant he does while he's oh like, that's right while he's being cute
1: yeah hakuna like, matata would have
0: been be squash, you know oh yeah yeah, yeah oh, that's if right that, i'm right. like oh lion king yeah. but then you actually give me the wisdom and i'm like don't huh. yeah.
1: <laughs> makes a lot of sense but i don't know <laughs> whatever all right um, <laughs> anyway uh thank you guys again for listening and remember it's, it's okay, okay to sleep with, with the, the lights
0: on, on.